Birthright Part 2. Part 2. Was it what you expected? Uh, no, but I was expecting to hate it because you were all just like, it's not very good. You're I don't like this episode. Like this. Well, you're not a good person. Uh, so. I, well, that's beside the point, really. Why don't you like this episode? Um, I just find when Worf is obstinate, I don't like it. And he seems to be some sort of racial zealot in this episode, which I don't really appreciate. It's It's a weird character choice they made for him. But, I mean, he's always kind of been that guy. Like, I know, about but... tradition and all of that. And you also have to remember that he is somebody who grew up on a non-Klingon homeworld and learned a lot about his tradition and knew tradition is part of his identity. So, in a way, he's dealing with, you know, people who have no one to teach them Klingon and who have no interest in that. So, he's kind of overcompensating in a way. Like, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I know I understand all that, and we've talked about that in the past, and that's all pretty much resolved, and I understand that. I, I, I think that, though, they they make it so much more of an issue in this episode, number one, uh, because they make him—there's no shades of gray in this episode, which I find very problematic. Mm. It's all very black and white. Worf is right, and the Klingon captives are wrong, and there's nothing—there's uh, no shading there at all. It's It's— I mean, Worf has a bit more of a hatred for the Romulans than it's a little more nuanced in the rest of the series. His uh, feelings towards Romulans, I would say. Now he, you know, thinks the idea of a half, you know, Klingon, half Romulan, you know, woman is an abomination almost. Like that. Yeah, it does go a little further than I think his normal life is like. It seems like but... they had some sort of point they wanted to make and they really doubled down on. Uh, character beats that that have been established for Worf, and I will not say that they have not been established, but but make him out to be much more of an asshole than I think Worf is. Mm, I can see that. I mean, I can't say this was the greatest episode, but that said, I think they do a little more interesting than I was kind of expecting in a way. I mean, I think the nature of the camp is a little more uh, a little stranger than they were originally making it think. I mean, we're originally supposed to think, okay, this is a you know, it's a Romulan prison cam that's been running for 20 years, and you know, everybody is, you know, it's Romulan Guantanamo. Okay. And it turns out to actually be more of a colony in a lot of ways. Yes, that's true. And I find what they do with those themes are a little more interesting than it would have been, again, had it just been those evil Romulans are, you know, taking over the Klingons, you know. And no, I mean, it, we have a culture which is almost a hybrid Klingon-Romulan culture in a way. And I think it makes it ambiguous whether they're – whether Romulan ideals are completely subsuming the Klingons or whether a third kind of a hybrid society is forming. Um, and it's one that in a way while I think that maybe the Klingons and the Romulans thought that they were living a life that was blending the two cultures, they are – in essence, and what Worf gets so upset about is they're living a life which denies kind of both cultures in a way. In, in, in other words, in order for the Romulans and the Klingons to live together, the Klingons have to give everything recognizably Klingon rather than, you know, well, here's some of our traditions, here's some of yours. Do you know what I mean? No, I see what you're saying, I, I, and I don't disagree with you, but I think that in, in the case of the episode, I don't think it's ever really made all that clear as to what exactly the culture or the structure of the colony is, which I think is a problem. And when we're being asked to care about characters that we've never seen before in situations that we've never seen yeah. before, you know, because really, in effect, this is a very 
Worf heavy episode. Uh, the other, some of the other characters do appear, but it's very briefly yeah. and probably to you know meet a contract or something. There's it's, there's really no point to the scenes that I mean, that especially the cons- appears on considering the um, you know the previous episode where we did have these two very you know Worf and Data pretty much took up the entire you know split the episode between them. Um, we don't have that. Yeah, the 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 bridge segments are just kind of a. You know, well, let's get out of this prison camp for about two minutes and, you know, give the audience some breather, explain something and, you know, make it look like the Enterprise is actually doing. Yeah, it's, you know, they're they're just it's more incidental. It's more to break it up rather than to serve an actual plot function. Right, exactly. So and that's fine. And that may even be because the episode is running short. Who knows? Uh, and then I think also as well, you get the one scene where, where Worf tries to escape and you've got uh, Jaglon or whatever the hell his name is Melty uh, guy. waving at him, which I really thought was funny. <laughs> like, it's just this random scene where it's just like, hey, come over here, come over here. Oh, 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 okay, never mind. Uh, actually, they were supposed to do more with him, but um, James Cromwell broke his leg and so he couldn't uh, do anything. I didn't realize that was James Cromwell. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't, I mean, whatever. He was in the episode. It was fine. Uh, and <laughs> so, had to be played by somebody. <laughs> yeah, I guess so so yeah and i think that you know i want to talk about the klingons and the romulans because it it's it's always been a little unclear in the next generation you know they sort of built this uh uh racial animosity between the klingons and the romulans while at the same yeah, time, yeah, focusing on Kittimer largely, but yeah, yeah, and and but they always, you know, Worf is. I mean, Worf said yeah. in this episode that they're the historic enemy of the Klingons or whatever. Which okay, fine, and uh, but at the same time, you know, the Klingons and the Romulans were allies at one point. Uh, they were certainly allies in the original series um, for budgetary reasons, but still, they were allies. Uh, if you recall back from, oh yeah, uh, I think the Enterprise. No, was he? I forget what episode it was, but, you know, they have that line where Spock says something like Klingons are now using ships of Romulan yeah, design because yeah, yeah, yeah. they couldn't afford to build Klingon ships. Okay, fine. Uh, and then, of course, with Kittimer happening, uh, the the sort of alliance was, was destroyed. And so Worf was definitely – I can see that as a – uh, mitigating factor in his feelings about Romulans because, of course, Romulans killed his father and uh, destroyed his home. And these are also – I mean – I would like to say that these are Klingons. You can feel them being very, you know, well, if the Romulans are their allies this week, you know, oh, the Romulans are the strongest allies we've ever had. And the second, you know, the Romulans turn tail and betray, you know, oh, we hated those pet stupid Rom, you know, like I could see them getting caught up in whatever the situation is at that moment. So, yeah, you know, even if the Romulans weren't ha- haven't been blood enemies for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, if it's been 20, that's been long enough, you know. I suppose so, yeah. And and I guess, you know... But, but this is, you know, spitballing and trying to justify something rather than... You, you know what I mean? Right. And I, and I think the real, the real problem with it, of course, is that, you know, whatever, that's fine. I mean, things are very ambiguous sometimes and things are gray, you know, and, and we see that in our own culture. But what, 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 what makes it problematic for me is that, again, it paints Worf out to be a much less sympathetic character than mm-hmm. he has been in the past. I think that... You know, what we saw of his uh, character journey, you know, starting way back in in Heart of Glory, probably from the first season and kind of continuing on with the whole redemption arc and things like that, where we learned all this stuff, um, is that he's a very, very uh, conflicted person, but he is very honorable and he does generally do the right thing. 
And in this episode, they paint him out to be a racist, basically. Well, I and, mean, and I don't. It just it you know it it it's that problem where they're they're trying to fit the character in because they need some sort of. Uh, 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 conflict to hook the episode in, and I don't think this was the right choice. In a lot of ways, I, I don't really disagree with this society that they've formed. That's kind of part of the problem. I think it's it's fine. It's gr- if if a bunch of Romulans and a bunch of Klingons have decided we're going to put away our old hatreds and we're going to form a blended society, like that's great. I'm yeah. totally into that. And. You know, Warp's point that, yes, some things have been lost. You know, the younger generation is trying to figure out who they are a little more. And, you know, and all of that, I don't have a problem with that either. If hunting is a very important part of being Klingon, and I think the series has made it, you know, fairly clear that it is, I don't see why it's a problem that, you know, young Klingon men should be able to go on their hunt, you know, and have that ritual, you know, coming of age, you know, why... You know, the girl should be able to get that necklace when she, you know, comes of age as well. Like, I, I think that these traditions, you know, I can see why they would want to have a place for these traditions. I think the episode implies that you can't have a blended society and hold on to your tradition. Like, it, it says it's kind of either or. And Which I don't agree with. I don't agree with either. And let's also, you know, face facts that, you know, this main – the girl, the daughter, the love interest – um, she is half Klingon, half Romulan, and while she does have these bits of her Klingon identity and culture that she has the right to explore and has the – you know, she also has Romulan right. so- side to her, and she has just as much of a right to explore that. Right. And I guess the episode doesn't make it – this is an episode which very much believes that Romulans are bad and that there is no going to be no good Romulan, and that these Romulans are only okay because the Klingons are behaving. I mean, the scene when they're in the, you know, in the dining hall and they're all singing this hunting song. You know, you see the way the, you know, the Romulans aren't thinking, oh, this is a weird, you know, little song that they have. You know that, oh, we, you know, they're they they're treating it like very. Uh, I, it, it almost reminds me of the Marseillaise scene from Casablanca. Like it's it's a very threatening to the Romulans. You know, yeah, in that scene and. Again, while I think it's very Star Trek to say, you know, we can have a colony where Romulans and Klingons, you know, live in peace and live as equals and, you know, have managed to create, you know, I doesn't feel very Star Trek to say as long, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, No, I see what you're saying. And it, it's, it's at the point of a gun, basically, because yeah. the Romulans do have all the power here, ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about the last scenes of the episode, of course, because that's the pivotal moment when everything changes. But... I think that the episode thinks it's a good thing that Worf got the Klingon yeah. children on his side, and I'm not sure that it is. You know, like you said, uh, there's at least one half Klingon, half Romulan woman running around. There may be others. It's implied that there's, you know, a lot, yeah. Right. And so, and and you don't get a good sense of of Tokath as a character you know he's he's a Romulan and he's much more reasonable of a Romulan than we've seen in the past perhaps but he still is a Romulan and he still sort of is 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 very paint by numbers I think you know you don't get a lot of you don't get a good sense of who he is you don't get a good sense of why he's actually with this Klingon woman yeah Um, he's only affable because things are really going his way right so which may be a choice I don't know but and I think the bigger problem with the episode is that i i there's a there's a determinism to the episode which i find 
which I don't like. Okay. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've talked a lot about, and you even mentioned a few minutes ago about how Worf is a, is a, is a zealot. He's a convert to Klingon culture. Mm-hmm. He, he, he really believes in it strongly because he doesn't, you know, he's, he's the person who grew up outside of his own culture and, 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 and re, uh, 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 took it again. Right. In the, in the, in the past, he's like a born again Klingon yeah. in a sense. And that's all fine. And I think that's interesting, but what this episode is really saying is that, uh, you know, from all, from what we've seen of the colony before Worf came and even while he was there, uh, before he started his, his campaign of, of, of mind fuckery is that they were all happy and they were all fine. And, you know, there's this thing, well, well, Klingons really like to hunt and you should do this and you should do that. And it's like, what if they don't want to? Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, you know, this is a very literal swords into plowshares society. I mean, there is a point where we see him using a spear to till a field and Worf gets all upset. Basically, all everything in this society that is Klingon has been taken from something warlike and turned into something peaceful. Again, this this hunting song, you know, he says, oh, it was a lullaby to me. You know, they've taken weapons and they're using them as farm implements. They're singing war songs as, you know, songs to send their children to sleep. And Worf is... Now, now one of the things I found interesting is, you know, Worf had a very good opportunity to say to the mother, well, if, you know, you're so ashamed of Klingon stuff, why are you keeping all these weapons in the drawer? You know, like, I, I think the episode believes that, you know, if they had made the sense, the episode isn't sure if it, why they're keeping these bits of their Klingon identity. Yeah. Have they, yeah. Repurp- have they hidden this hunting song as a lullaby in order to hide it from the Romulans and, you know, we still have this aspect of their culture? Or are they just taking the warlike aspects and saying, you know, something that doesn't work here and that's not something that – every time we talk about Klingon, we're talking about what it means to be Klingon. I mean that's, that's you know, one of the things. Um, Worf is saying being Klingon means being a warrior. I think the people in the camp are saying being a Klingon means something different. Right. And, and that's and – that, and and, but the episode – but, the episode says that, but the episode doesn't believe that that's actually the that's, case. That's because it. At the, the end epi- of the episode, you know, my problem with it is really that you know, Worf at the end of every other Klingon-centric episode has learned something. Yeah, and in this episode, he has learned nothing, and in fact, he's doubled down on his zealotry, and it worked out for him because he got ten Klingon children to go back to the Klingon homeworld. That to me is a problem because yeah. it it's rewarding his obstinacy and it's rewarding his pig-headedness and. Let me also put it this way: the episode makes it clear that you know they're they're going to have a difficult time in the in the larger world. As you know, again, if even Worf, it, well, I don't know if they are because Worf, you know, thinks the idea of a half Klingon, half Romulan is a horrible thing. But you know, she might be she put her on a Federation ship. You know, put her on anywhere else. You know, is she going to be discriminated against as much? I don't know. The episode doesn't know. I don't think so. The episode doesn't make it clear if she is a sign of a new era in both Klingon and Romulan thing, or if she is a, or or if this union is wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, the episode doesn't, the episode seems to think that, no, Klingons and Romulans can't work together. Right. Or only in very, very, very isolated specific circumstances when it doesn't seem like Star Trek believes that. Right. And, and but the episode doesn't seem to be aware that there's a yeah. conflict there or a contradiction. And, you know, the episode has gone has gone so far, I think, to even undo a lot of the good work that they've done in making Worf a sympathetic character. Uh, 
And yet I could see this theme being done well, just not like this. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, I think it is – I don't think it's a bad thing to say that, you know, when you are – get assimilated into a larger culture, you lose some of the things that make your own unique. And, you know, you should find a way of reconnecting with those. And, you know, you do have the right to – you know, and all of those things. And, you know, sins of the fathers do not visit on the children. Yes, these are all great themes that the episode wants to touch on. But but it doesn't does it does so very clumsily right and because you know look at it from this point of view you know and I and I, I think that this is this is backed up you know by, by a reading of the episode but it seems to me that the Romulans have taken the the, the sort of reins in creating this culture and sort of de declawing the Klingons let's say okay, right good term. you know they're 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 using all of their weapons as as sort of farming implements or you know playing little games and things like that they're not allowed to hunt they're not you know they're not allowed to do a lot of things that Klingons ostensibly you know are bred to do or whatever you want to say and you know in that case I think that 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 could be a a good way to get into um, how this culture was created. But but my problem with that is that once Worf appears and sort of comes through and says, yes, this is the way that you do things and this is the way real Klingons do things and your parents are wrong for not teaching you to, you know, use this thing as a thing and throw, throw a hoop and go hunting and all this kind of stuff um, and start like singing warrior songs instead of using them as lullabies and I don't know, you know, whatever, uh, is that. It paints the cling. You know, the, the, this the, the next generation has done a lot of work in uh, portraying Klingons as 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 individuals and as sort of like more, yeah. uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, nuanced than they have been in the past. And what this episode does, I think, is do, undoes a lot of that work <laughs> and says, no, Klingons are really just bloodthirsty animals and. The Romulans, if they lose control in this situation, the Klingons are just going to kill them all. And it's like, what? Yeah, and, and let's also make it clear that the show has made it very clear that even allowing for Klingons to be individuals, Worf is very unusual. I mean, he this is a man who, you know, very recently was discommodated. He was right. considered not at all Klingon. We've seen the Klingon homeworld as being full of corruption and backbiting. Yeah, had, he knows all We've of had that. several Klingon people saying that what it means to be Klingon is changing. You right. Know? Going out and making war with everybody in the galaxy, that doesn't really work anymore. You know, after Star Trek VI, the Klingons had to really re-examine what – and we've seen these two – you know, yeah. we've seen examples yeah. of New Guard and Old Guard and, you know, the conflict between the two of them and, you know, again, Worf seems to be the warp is the ideal of you know the federation ideals and the klingon honor i mean those are i think the show makes it clear I, th I think both are very good things i think klingon honor can be a very good thing when used positively and this show makes it clear that he's not quite a klingon wharf just because he has the Federation things which allow him to elide some of the more problematic elements of being Klingon. But see, I would disagree with that because I think that this episode portrays Worf as not really learning anything from his time in Starfleet. Well, that that's... Which is kind of, I think, the point that we're hitting to with this episode is that this doesn't... Like, is he really a Starfleet officer in that case? I mean, he doesn't seem to believe in the ideals of the Federation. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because he has a, a an instinctual revulsion towards Romulans or whatever, but... I, but put Picard in this. Put Picard in this situation. What is Picard going to think about? What would Picard think about a camp where Klingons and Romulans are able to live in peace and get married, and uh, you know their kids play together? I think Picard would love the idea. He would go there and study it. 
I mean, that's what he would do. You know, he would be very interested in it. And I think that that would be a way forward for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, think, even even think back to like, you know, Star Trek five as, as much as we probably don't want to, um, you know, with the planet of peace, you know, Klingons, Romulans and, and the Federation, yeah. you know, that all sort of thing and stuff like that. I mean, these are these are ideas that have percolated in Star Trek for a long time. But well, maybe not for a long time, because that was only four years ago in, in sort of the real yeah. time frame. But you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And and so for me, it's like this. This really is. Uh, it's the way forward. And, and yeah, Worf, why and are they using? It. Why are they using this girl as the kind of a living symbol? As you know, no, look, Romulans and Klingons can get along and can create something good. You know, right. I am proof of this. Right. You know, I, I I think that would have been a kind of more Star Trek-y turn for the ending to take rather yeah. than, you know, they're just going to be prisoners because they'd be dishonored on Klingon and, you know. it Yeah, it makes no sense, really. Well, I think, and, you know, we haven't talked about the end of the episode and I think it's supposed to be some sort of stirring statement about how it's much. It's an I am Spartacus moment, yeah. Right, but I, I don't like it. And I think it's really, really disturbing, you know, because it again, it it paints Worf as a zealot. It paints the Klingon children as zealots and it paints uh, the, the Klingon adults as zealots as well, because, of course, Tokath's wife goes up there yeah. and, you know, well, she doesn't go up there, but she kind of, you know, stays him. And it's like, no, don't, you know, don't do not kill him. Well, I mean, the, the point is, you know, Worf and Worf makes the point itself. Basically, he says, you know, if you shoot me, you know, like Worf wins either way. Either he's teaching these, you know, the kids what being Klingon is or if he gets killed he's gonna be a martyr which, which by the way again Worf is such a fucking hypocrite because he is he does not mention his fucking son once and he is willing to go to death to prove a point that is ridiculous and he's going to leave his son fatherless does he have does a he son care? in this episode? I mean, this is, he doesn't you know even I mean, mention no. the son in his episode. No, I know he doesn't, but we know the son exists, and that's my point. We is that, try to forget that the son exists. But Worf is not a good... Like This, I mean, this, this, this episode same, really goes a long way towards saying Worf is not a good person, and in fact, he's sort of shitty. I mean, this almost seems like maybe this was a plot line they had kicking around from earlier, before Worf had some of his development, because this, you know... A season one, a season two wharf might make a little more sense, you know. Yeah, but I mean, come doing on. this, they're gonna even if they have plot lines, they're not gonna. I mean, no, no, no. Like I don't know, and especially given that this is the DS Nine crossover, given that this is a two parter, like it seems weird that they would drop the ball this much, right? Um, and so I guess I don't know. You're I I I enjoyed. I'm finding this a lot. I'm enjoying watching the thing, but talking about it, it. A lot of the holes are becoming very apparent. Right. Um, I don't know. Is the show becoming lazy? I think a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. You know, uh, certainly not extremely lazy. No, it, I this, mean, we're not season three original series yet. You right. Know, where this, there's, again, it's still watchable, but I don't know. It's It seems It like, doesn't seem like they're putting as much care into this stuff, you know? And, and again, I think that... This episode is 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 kind of unsuccessful and is kind of unsuccessful in ways that uh, should have been picked up on and weren't. I, I mean, is or it, maybe they were and they just didn't have time to fix it. I don't know. Is it just as simple as they're kind of figuring, all right, we're running towards the end of this show? Because at this point, you know, while it, w- the show was still renewed for another season, you know, I think. Well, I, at, the, at this point, there there was, you know, conflicting information about whether or not yeah. were, they were going to sign everybody to an eighth season. You know, they, they didn't know what they were going to uh, do. The, the, either, so, way, either way, you know, they're, they're certainly much past the halfway point. And, yeah. you know, they know it's one of, 
if they, you know, maybe they have one season, maybe they have two seasons left, but they don't have three, you know. I but think it, they, and Deep Space Nine is ramping up, so maybe it's just as simple as, you know, that's where more attention was. Well, and again, but but I think the other thing that's problematic about all of that is that this is the second part of a two-parter. Yeah. And they, they had the room to make this really breathe and stretch and put all of this sort of nuanced stuff in there. And instead they give us data having dreams in the first part and, and, and Worf running around in the jungle, which is all fine. But, you know, there it was a way to It sets up make, nothing. It sets up nothing. And so it's almost like it's a two-parter, but it's very unrelated in, in a lot of ways. And, and like, given that they spent the first part with on DS9 and they're, you know, they're obviously... You know, let's let's talk that that's an advertisement for the other show. We know that, you know, I, I, I'm surprised they didn't do more. I don't know. I'm surprised that they didn't make this a bigger deal. Yeah. Like right. The fact that they dropped the ball on this particular episode is weird. This isn't just a filler episode. Right. But it becomes one. It becomes one. Yeah. I don't think there's much else really to say about this. And, and I will give it uh, five lullabies. Yeah. I'll give it six mutilated and like yeah he six goats. All right, he put the goat on the table that people were eating on. I mean, I I don't I think the Romulan had a point there. Yeah, that's not sanitary. It's not sanitary. It's gross. It's not going to smell the best. Like yes, cook it. I'm sure it's got to be delicious. But you know, put some nice spices. Get some potatoes. I'm hungry. All right. Well, uh, let's move on and talk about Starship Mine. So I thought this episode was going to feature, like, the Domjot aliens and that they were going to go, Starship Mine! at some point. That would have been cool. That would have been a lot cooler. And also that's really interesting because I think that you're really starting to get into the minutia of Star Trek. (laughs) What, the Domjot aliens? Yeah. Yeah, Well, they're they're, they're certainly... I like weird-looking aliens. I I mean, there's the Domjot aliens, the Melty guy, there's Klingons, there's the Melty guy. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this episode was certainly a bunch of okay. I like this episode. Okay. I mean, it's the diehard on an Enterprise. I mean, everyone says that. But... Because that's what it is. But it's, it's Picard in, an enter- in a movie where a bunch of people are trying to take over and he has to foil them. Yeah, but I mean, Die Hard didn't do that first. No, but I mean, Die Hard did it best. And recently. I don't like Die Hard. Why don't you like Die Hard? Recently. That was like 25 years ago. Uh, recently compared to the Star Trek? Uh-huh. Sure. I don't know. I like this episode because I think that, you know, the show has had very mixed results this season with doing sort of character-based drama. Yeah. And uh, I think that they sort of just went like, all right, let's not even try that. Yeah. And let's just do an action episode. I think it works fine. No, as an action episode, it's a really good episode. It's a good episode for Picard. We get a little bit more flavor to him. He likes to ride horses and he has his own saddle. Uh, So Picard (laughs) does not bear back. Um, Sorry. I don't know why I said that. And neither should you, listeners. Neither should uh, you. My official trick about brand condoms. I think that it's done very well. I like the fact that you get to see the Enterprise in some different lighting. I think I like that you get to see the the characters in sort of dangerous situations. I think the two plot lines sync up really nicely. And yeah. I also like the fact that this was written by the guy who wrote The Inner Light, and it is perhaps the most different really? episode from The Inner Light that, that you could actually, ever get. Okay, that surprises me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, and this is only, I think, one of two episodes that you wrote for The Next Generation. So this is it. This is The Inner Light, yeah. Okay. Also, they both feature Picard, which I think is interesting. 
I liked this again as as an action movie. It was good. I, I think this episode could have been about something because it's not really. Well, maybe, but like, why? I don't know. Like it's just I don't know. None of the. I guess a lot of it has to do with the fact that the explanation for well, why are on the ship? Well, we're pirates and we're just stealing something. You know, that was a letdown. Okay, that was but, just kind of really uninteresting. But but that's not really the point of the episode, though. No, I, mean, I know, I know. But I'm, that's the MacGuffin to get into the action stuff. I'm thinking. I know. I'm talking about the episode that we saw. I liked the action stuff. I felt so, the other stuff. Was, so the episode was like a middle for you when you wanted it to be like higher than that. Yeah, I think that's so. Fair. If that's I've, fair. If that had a little more, it's the kind of thing where I have investment in. How does Picard get out of this? One? Right. How does Riker and everybody get out of this one? Because I've been watching five and a half seasons of that at this point um if i just put this on as a random episode i don't think it would have had as much to advertise it in a way i think that's true i mean i think there's a couple a couple things there one of which i will say and one of which i won't uh at least not not directly is that there is a way that they could have tied the terrorists or the pirates or whoever they were into something that happens later they probably didn't do that just because they didn't come up with that yeah, storyline yeah, yeah. yet. Or maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, actually, they may have. So that's really lazy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm being very sort of obtuse. I will right say now. this is I, I, about half of our listenership is like, I know exactly what he's talking about. And the other half is like, we're going to listen to that Night Vale podcast now. Yeah, that's fine. Go go do that. Um, and then I think the other thing that I that I think is is sort of interesting about this episode is is and it also sort of points the way forward in a couple of ways is that action Picard becomes sort of a cliche, um, and he gets to do more of this stuff and he gets to do this kind of stuff in a couple of the movies and people have differing opinions about action Picard. Okay, about half, half of the Trekkies really like it, about half of the Trekkies really don't. My feeling about it is I think it's fine. Uh, it's a different look for him. You know, it makes him a little more engaged. He's not sitting back reading Shakespeare and drinking tea all the time. He's able to get out there and do stuff and kick ass. I like it. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that I, I feel like this kind of an episode a little does go a long way. In other words, like it's Saturday night and I'm going to watch, you know, Captain Picard, you know, Get it, you know, wit wits his way out of a situation. You know, he's gonna you get a crossbow and he's gonna make bomb. You know, and like that's cool to watch. Like, yeah, you take the cast of Star Trek. We know what Star Trek is like all the time, and this episode essentially grabs them and puts them in an action movie. You know, and yeah, as a gimmick, it does work really well for it. I can't see it. I can see it being the kind of thing that wears out its welcome because you know something. I like Picard because he's not action Picard. I like Picard right. because he's a diplomat. Because he, I like him because you know that this is what makes him different from you know Kirk. Let's let's face it. You know Picard is much more traditionally cultured. He's right. more intellectual. He's more diplomatic. He's more um, he's more private. He keeps to himself. He thinks everything through. He take you know. And meanwhile, you know Kirk is. I'm going to do this. You know I'm going to punch and I'm going to you know go in and you know we're going to fix and. To see Picard do that from time to time is cool, just because you see when the chips are down, no, he can really, you know, take it. And that's awesome. It's it's good to see him pushed in a direction that, just as when we, we like to see when Kirk is in a situation where he does have to finesse it in a way he does, you know, doesn't normally. You know, it's nice to see a character out of their comfort zone. 
I don't want this to be Picard's comfort zone. Well, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good point, and I'm glad you said that because it is effective because we don't get to see Picard yeah. act like this. And 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 why I think it's interesting is that you know, like you said. I like Picard as sort of the reserve diplomat as well. And I think that that's a really, uh, uh, it's a good look for Star Trek in general. And I think what I like about action Picard and especially Picard in this episode is that he's able to kick ass, but he chooses not to. And so that almost makes, you know, diplomat T Shakespeare Picard, uh, more profound instead of less profound, I think, because he could do this if he wanted to, but he just chooses not to. And I think that there's a, you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of a beauty to that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about the uh, evil diplomat Do- who Dorian grade Troy, who's all like, I have these negative emotions and I don't know what to do with them and stress. And, you know, you see Picard, I, I, you're right, you know, it makes Picard seem as somebody who's more able to easily manage them. You know, maybe yeah. Picard knows that he can I mean that's that's the thing with the the Federation. I mean, also, frankly, Starfleet has great mental health coverage. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this is something that even in Kirk's day we dealt with, where you know, you know, something we as the Federation could take the dilithium, but we're not going to. We want you to give it to us, right? You know? I mean, Picard knows damn well. Not only, not only do they want them to give it to them, they want them to want to. Yeah, give it to yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that's a. Yeah, he does. They, the Federation doesn't want to rule by fear and by strength and by having a bigger gun. It does have a bigger gun. When the chips are down, it does have a bigger gun. You know, Picard is going to be that much more clever than, you know, and we know that Picard is going to outwit his captors, you know, in this episode. We know that, but... Um, yeah, and I think that that's, I think that's a good point as well because... I think this episode gets misremembered or mischaracterized in some ways as Picard running around the ship, you know, half cocked, just killing people. And he's not doing that. You know, this is a very, you know, this definitely is a more action oriented Picard. He definitely is, you know, sort of uh, uh, very, very physical in this episode. But it's also he's also very mental in this episode and he is using his wits and he is sort of outsmarting them. Well, he lets I mean, the point where he lets himself be caught at one point. I mean, I think it's interesting that. You know, there's a few points where it looks like the plan is going wrong and either he's better at improvising. You know, I think when he first gets caught, he's not expecting to, but he, you know, so I'm the barber, you know, and he, you know, gets all of that. And then later when he gets caught and leads them into 10 forward, he's completely planned for that. Like he's expected that, you know, and. And also let's not forget at the end of the episode, he does kind of mess it up. I mean, he, he doesn't beat them. Right, I mean, uh, he does it. He does though. He takes the he, he. I mean, he does, and it doesn't. I mean, he's he's able to, I think, have a contingency plan in place, which is blowing up their ship. Yeah, I don't think that he necessarily wanted to do that. No. You know, I think his. It looks to me like the at the end of the episode in Ten Forward, he wanted to knock them unconscious, and then I don't know, have them all beamed off onto the onto the space station or whatever. And instead, what happens is he has to go with Plan B, which is basically throw a grenade at them. Okay, but I don't think that that would have been his choice, his 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 a his a game. No, in it, effect. I mean, I think about the scene when he's saying, you know, the you know the one guy's like, oh, you're a Federation officer, you wouldn't kill me, you know, and he does just knock him out, and he says, yeah, I guess I wouldn't kill you. you right. Know? Picard does let most of the terrorists die in this episode, you know, through the he kind of leaves a lot of them or tricks them into where this you know sweep is going to you know go, but I, I, he's not. 
I don't know. He's not a cold-blooded killer. That's the thing. Well, it's it's necessary in a way. I mean, it's not something that he's setting out to do, no. right? And and I don't think that he's he's not taking any sort of pleasure in this. And I think that he's he's not killing them himself, which is maybe kind of a little bit of a hedge, but he's it shades not. A gray. It's it's a little bit of a cheat, but he's not actually pulling the trigger. And so, well, it, I mean, it is the show about to start you know it's not going to quite ask the same questions that you know you've told me that ds9 asks right again we've seen we've we've seen a lot of tng being it's kind of hitting a wall or hitting a ceiling and maybe this is one of the areas where it's starting to feel out that ceiling like you know as somebody who you know if a bunch if there are a bunch of terrorists on aboard the enterprise you know who literally just want to get a bomb for profit you know that the and let's face it, the their motive is irredeemable. It's not like they, at the end of the day, say, well, we're just trying to get power for our home world or something like that, you know. No, these are just, you know, pirates. They're, they're bad people. They're doing you know? it for you money. Know? Yeah, exactly. You know, we're allowed to view this woman as a bad person, quote-unquote. We don't feel bad for her when the ship blows up. Um, I mean, this the episode is starting to say, well, what do you do when, you know, when there are a bunch of terrorists who are willing to kill their own and, you know, have no morally redeeming value, you know, it's not quite ready to ask the question, is it right for Picard to kill them? Right. But it's at least getting us ready to start asking that question, maybe later on. I think that, yeah, I think you could say that. And I think that the fact that an episode which is looked at as sort of just an action romp has these kind of hard questions at its center uh, indicates that this is still Star Trek. Yeah. You know, I mean, Picard is making hard choices about whether or not to kill these terrorists. And at the end of the episode, of course, he decides that that he has to. But yeah. is, is there another option? I mean, I don't I don't really see one. I, I don't think that. You know, he doesn't know. I mean, basically, they're, they're stealing trilithium, which is kind of, I guess, like, you know, some sort of nuclear TNT yeah, it's, or something. That's it's just, yeah. you know. They're but, getting the bomb. <laughs> that says, that's what I filed it under. Yeah, they're able to do something terrible with it or, or whoever they're going to sell it yeah. to is going to do something terrible with it. And, of course, you know, I guess Picard has to make this moral calculation, which is, well, if, the, if I don't let, if I don't kill these two people, um, they're going to sell this stuff yeah. to someone else who perhaps might use it to kill lots of People. I mean, that's almost exactly what she says. You know, I have no agenda, but I know people who do, and they're going to pay a lot for this. You know, they're 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 arming somebody who's going to use this to perform an actual terrorist. If this isn't quite a terrorist act, it's going to be. They're getting materials for a real terrorist act in a way, right? And so, is that the right choice? I mean, you could argue that it is. You could argue that it isn't. I mean, I would say it is because, of course, you know. I mean, of course, you could say, well, why don't they just start the enterprise up again and go after them or whatever? But you know, it's going to take a while to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, the warp drives offline and nobody's on the ship, yeah. and the whole thing is empty. So it's kind of a it's a shitty situation. I think Picard. You know, that's who Picard is. I mean, he's the captain. He's the one who has to make these hard choices all the time. He makes a hard choice. Is it the right one? Well, it seems to be right in context, but maybe it's not. Who knows? And that's what I like about it is you're right. I mean, it is starting to, 
I think, uh, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Birthright Part 2 sort of alighting a lot of the hard questions and yeah. just making it very, very neat. And I think this episode, in a way, uh, does the opposite, in effect. And actually, that's funny because this is one that, you know, we're talking about and I'm liking it more, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always liked this episode, but I think there's a lot of um, nuance there that perhaps I never really thought about before. I feel like the episode does have a lot of, if it's not quite set pieces, at least a bunch of, like, arcs that... Again, like the the beginning arc with this reception, you know, and data learning small talk. I mean, that's this the beginning of this episode is a comedy episode, and it's it's uneven. I think the parts when data is talking to the d- diplomat and they're just, you know, as Riker says, you know, how long could they talk about nothing? Like that was funny. You yeah, know? well, I think that that's a rare case of the next generation doing comedy well because, yeah. of course, they take the joke to its logical conclusion. You know, if they hadn't had Data and Hutchinson get into a conversation, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. But I think because, you know, I'm sitting there and I, I, you know, I sort of like didn't remember that plot line very much. But, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Here's Brent Spiner getting to ham it up again. This is always my favorite thing. But, but it's I, I, really funny because I, they, they do take it to its logical conclusion. And I think part of it is he's he's playing an annoyingly hammy character at that point. I mean – Number one, the scene when, like, he's first observing and he's, like, mimicking the faces. I mean, that's just some very good physical acting yeah. on, you know, Spiner's part. But, yeah, when the two of them are talking and having that exact same laugh and, like, you know, Hutchinson is just delighted because he's met, like, the most, you know, the best conversationalist he's ever met in his life. Like, again, and I, I think the comedy more comes from the fact that they're fascinated by watching this, you know. This is, all right, we've got to pawned off the two annoying people on each other and... This is beautiful to watch. Like that's that's where the comedy and again, once once they've wrung everything they can out of the joke, then it becomes a serious episode. But then they kill him. They, I mean that's, they kill Hutch? Yeah. They did it. They don't make it clear, but oh. he gets shot and then a couple scenes later there's a corpse with a sheet over it. Oh. So Oh, I didn't I catch mean, that. Kind, I mean, that's what I'm kind of getting about this episode now that we're talking about it, is you know, they're they're doing some hard stuff here. I mean Hutchinson is played for laughs and nobody likes him. He doesn't seem to be that bad of a guy. No, so- no. Every, everybody just kind of treats him. He's he's an official. He throws these really boring parties. You know, he's super lame. You know, you don't want to talk to him be more than five minutes. But at the end of the day, he's probably doing fine work down there. And you don't you want know? to see him die. No. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of a strange mm, right. choice for the episode. Maybe. I don't know. Uh. Well, the, again, this is where you get the diehard thing because there is a reset. But anyway, um, the point is, yeah. I, I mean, those whole that whole sequence is a if it's not the if if what you know the gang is doing isn't the deepest sequence in Star Trek. It's a very well done sequence. I like to see characters working together and you know figuring out the plan and you know and and that's just cool to watch. You know, no, it is, and I think that you know that's that's Riker's kind of distraction. The... I love. Yeah, well, that's kind of the nice thing, I think, too, about the episode is that, you know, we've said some bad things about, I think, the sixth season and sort of like the end of the, of the show. And maybe they're getting a bit lazy and maybe they're getting, you know, all of these problems were starting yeah, to see yeah, yeah. crop up. But at the same time, there are advantages to that, too. And I think in this episode, you see those, those advantages because this is a this is a, a, a group of actors that have worked together for six years and they're really good at working yeah. together and you know the writers know how to do and this and they're kind playing of thing. characters who are good at their jobs and work together you know right and so I like when you see everybody sort of work together and have a plan come together well 
And we've said together a lot in the past two seconds. I know. Um, that's Star Trek. I li- <laughs> It's all about togetherness. And I like that, the, you know, that sequence allows this episode to kind of have it both ways because, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, the Picard scenes are all he's either punching someone or like getting his crossbow or, you know, you know, sneaking around the thing. And here we have a group of people. You know, using their skills and coming up with it. So we get the teamwork episode and the solo episode, you know, in a way. And I don't know, it just kind of makes it a more varied episode than, you know, if it had just been Picard on the Enterprise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. You definitely do need uh, those scenes down on the planet to sort of cleanse your palate a little bit. You know, I think you could have made an episode that was just 45 minutes of Picard running around. I think you could do it. But but... I think this is a better episode for it. Just because, again, it's... You also don't... I mean, because let's face it, then then it would have been, you know, Riker and everybody having dropped the ball and just letting Picard, do you know, be kidnapped and just in this interminable reception and that would have had to have been played for comedy and we would not have wanted that no um no but again this this puts them in the kind of very different situation and you know it just it it makes the episode seem a lot different yeah it's a very well you're right it's a very well done action episode action is sometimes hard to direct and to watch and this episode does it clear and good. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, you know, even on a technical level, you know, they get to do some different things. And yeah. With the lighting again and sort of character angles and or, or camera angles. And you sort of, you know, get to see different parts of the ship you're not normally seeing. It's nice. I just, you know, it's it's it, it's different enough that it, it makes uh, uh, this show a nice break from what we've been getting, I yeah. think, in a way. And I love the fact that a pair, you know, now now I'm really thinking about what the hell does Picard have in his quarters? Because now he has a saddle, he has a crossbow. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> well, actually, no. I think he, he went to Worf's quarters to get the crossbow. Oh, okay. I because, of course, his... Worf would have a crossbow. Uh, I mean, well, why that makes he? sense. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, then you notice that that's one of the one of the shots I really liked in the episode is that when uh, Picard is forcing that door open, yeah. the first thing you see is is that crazy statue of two muscular men wrestling ah. that you always see in Worf's quarters. Okay, you didn't pick up on that. No, yeah, that was Worf's quarters. I I I'm not a trekkie. Now I think it was maybe maybe not. I don't know. Well, yeah, on the fence about that. Um. Now I'm kind of thinking that maybe I would have liked to have seen scenes in this episode where Picard visits like all of their quarters and, <laughs> and has to pick up like one thing, like, like from Arena when Kirk has to make the musket and he has to go around and like get saltpeter and gunpowder and hollow out a tube. I and, know he gets like no he like he gets like the syringe thing from you know Crusher's quarters and he gets the you know both thing and he gets the dress from the Dorian Gray episode you know his disguise and you know it's gonna be great. Also, this episode does make me realize that uh, the Enterprise does have a crazy design flaw, which is that when the power is off, you can't open the door unless you have that little door opening device. Yeah. That doesn't seem great to me. It seems like there should be like some sort of manual release. I, 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 I yeah, I, I th- and I think there are better ways of cleaning the ship than, you know, using like a death ray on it. Yeah, that and, seems you know, a <laughs> bad idea it's, too. It's, it's nothing. About this, like, I feel like after this episode was, you know, after all of this happened, like, Picard sat down with, like, the car wash people and he's like, look, we just need to really discuss safety regulations here. And I mean, also, frankly, I think that Starfleet should probably vet their car wash people a little better because well, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I know, like, in the real world, they just steal change, you know, here they'll, like, kill you. Yeah, that seems 
problematic. What is maybe... the saying about service workers that they're all really terrorists? Maybe... I find this episode problematic. Maybe also Hutchinson wasn't that great at his job because he was on a he was stationed on a place where they had terrorists take it over. And his like even, and I was going to say he didn't vet his caterers either. Nothing. He doesn't know what Nothing. he's doing. Yeah. All right. Well, I give this episode seven Bertold rays. Okay, I'll give it eight because I found it. I like the scene with uh, Picard just like making bombs. All right. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? This is no time for a chemistry experiment, Picard. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts about this episode or these episodes, go to the post at trekaboutshow.com and leave a comment. On any episode, really. On any episode. We have 120-something other episodes that you could listen to. Is your favorite episode The Empath? Why not tell us? Please do. Because we would judge you if you did, so don't tell us that. And you can tell us that. Why don't you? Why don't you tell us what your favorite episode of Star Trek is? Trek About Show on Twitter. Okay. Or sounds... you can do it on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekaboutshow. It's like a, a interactive entertainment. It is. And uh, finally, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. That's the best way to get new people to like the show. Next week... Actually, the best way to get new people to bribe, like the show is to bribe them, but... Yeah, but I don't have money for that. Well, we're going to have our fans bribe their friends. Okay, good. $5 a piece? Yes, please give us $5 if you want us to like the show. Uh, next week, uh, we are coming to the end of the sixth season. We've only got about, uh, I think, six or six or eight more episodes. That's not quite the end of the... Not quite, but we're getting there. Uh, next week, we're talking about Lessons and The Chase. 